Before we get to our show, here is a podcast we think you're going to love. Hey there, fellow Perhaps It's You podcast listeners. Cece here, and I'm the host, writer, and producer of a new podcast, The Sooner State True Crime Pod. And for those unfamiliar with the term Sooner, it actually refers to people that cheated in the land run of 1889 in Oklahoma Territory by claiming their land too soon, which was truly a crime. But nowadays, it just means our podcast focuses on Oklahoma-based cases. So, fellow Okies and all true crime enthusiasts, come away with me to my crime state. Please check out our episodes released twice a month in Apple Podcasts, Anchor, or any podcast app y'all prefer. Follow us on Twitter at Crime State or on Facebook at OK Crime State or visit anchor.fm slash crime state to hear all our episodes and all show notes. And everyone, stay sooner safe out there. Hello. Hi. Hi, five listeners. Hello, BD Wong and other listeners. Welcome to Perhaps It's You. I think a little elf comes at night and tangles up all of our cords because I don't understand how they get so tangled. They just sit here all week until we record again, and yet it's a big old mess. Yeah, today it was like a bird's nest of cords <laughs> on Liz's table. I blame Curtis, who gets up here sometimes. What happened? Curtis is a dog, by the way. Not a little magical elf. Wouldn't it be cute if he was a little elf, Oh, my God. That'd be pretty adorable. He kind of is, but in shy dog form. Yeah, yeah. So, we need to start off the show with a huge thank you. A huge thank you. To Studio Crafty. Studio Crafty, you are the best. Studio Crafty sent us this amazing package all the way from Japan, including a, a pillow, a handmade pillow that says, come back with a warrant on it. It's like... The most beautiful thing I've ever seen. Studio Crafty was... I was reminded when we received this package that Studio Crafty has a YouTube channel that teaches you how to crochet. And I was just talking about learning how to crochet in our last episode. So Uh, I think that answers your question right there. If you recognize uh, the name Studio Crafty, it's because they sent us the little crocheted porpoise of justice. Right here. I can touch it right now. I was looking through their catalog of videos, and they have a lot of tutorials and free patterns on how to crochet little animals or little characters. I'm definitely not there yet in my learning, but that's going to be like my goal. Awesome. I love it. Also, with our package from Studio Crafty, was a shit ton of Japanese candy. I was so touched by this, I honestly cried. I was so like happy. made our whole week. And it just, it touched me in this emotional, sentimental place. And I was just like... As you know... This is better than my childhood dreams right now. Yes. To be sent a giant box of candy. And we love, and we've said it before, a novelty Kit Kat. Should we try a few? Should we do, yeah. just do snack time? Let's do snack time. We have an assortment on the table here. Um, I'm going to try this one. What's that one? I don't know what it is, but it looks like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Okay, let's try it. So, it's good, but... It's a little underwhelming. I don't know what it is. I think there's, like, jam flavor. I think so. Yeah. I mean, no complaints, but... It's not the best one I've had. It's not punching me in the face with flavor. No. Lenny's figured out we're eating food in here. Oh, hi, Lenny Briscoe, my dog. So I was watching Law & Order the other day, original recipe. I was a little upset to discover that Lenny Briscoe, the detective, supported the Iraq War. So that's probably the most realistic thing about the show. (laughs) It being in New York right after 9-11. But well, um, Lenny Briscoe, the dog, supports no wars. No. Mm-mm. He would never make that mistake. Okay. Maybe the war on mailmen. I don't know. <laughs> um, Is there one you want to try? Yeah. Can we try that one with the raisins on it and the, the sifter of booze? That blue one? Yeah, this is... My guess is it's the wrong raisin, but that's Ooh, just a guess. Okay. I don't know what else it could be. Oh, it's white chocolate. Oh, that was unexpected. Classy. Okay. I don't know what it is, but I like it. It's good. I have no clue what it is. No. It tastes a little bit like ambrosia to me. Kind of. The aftertaste is interesting. It is good. 
I cannot describe it. I have no I, clue what I, I just ate. I could see that it does have some liquor in it. I feel like that is the aftertaste. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I couldn't really place it. Maybe it is like brandy. I'm not sure. I really like it though. I do like it. Okay. I think we'll save some for later on in the show to keep us motivated. We're gonna need it for this episode. Um Yeah, I fucking hate this episode. <laughs> of unsolved mysteries it made me angry as i was watching it it made me angry we have this podcast and really you might go why are you eating these kit kats on the show that doesn't have anything to do with anything yes it is because i had to give myself a pep talk and go liz you don't get the kit kats if you don't take notes on the show <laughs> we got the snacks because we have this podcast people so- aren't sending me didn't send me kit kats from japan before i had a podcast so they're they are directly related. It motivates me to keep going because I was so ready to throw in the towel. You have no idea. That's terrible. I realized we said that about a lot of episodes. This episode is offensive. Like, this episode is, like, not just, like, bad television. It's just, like, I cannot believe I'm watching this. Like, I, I need to re- believe. This was a moment where I was like, do I need to rethink my whole life? <sighs> Should I not be doing this anymore? Because I don't want to talk about this. I hate this episode of Unsolved Mysteries so much. I cannot believe this didn't get left on the cutting room floor. Like, this... This is... The people that rated the show for streaming watched this episode and thought, yeah, we should definitely keep this one in. This is aged great. It has aged like a fine wine that you should put in a Kit Kat. (laughs) Just put it out there. And they didn't go, let's not pretend pretend that never happened, which is what I would have done. It's for sure what they should have done. And instead they were like, no, this episode acting like psychopaths is a real clinical diagnosis. <sighs> this is... Okay, this is season four, episode 23, in case you want to know which one to skip. Episode trash garbage. <laughs> so the episode it's hot garbage has been sitting in the sun and rats and crows are starting to pick at it. And if you went too close to that garbage, you might get leprosy. You don't know that you will for sure, but it's like in your mind. Like, will I get some sort of incurable disease if I touch that garbage? So, Liz, there are to there are maggots just wriggling in there. <laughs> there is a maggot party in this garbage. Uh, I'm gonna throw up just thinking about it. It's that's really an apt metaphor, though. As Liz alluded to, this is a special episode of Unsolved Mysteries about the diabolical mind. It's called Diabolical Minds: colon, Case Studies. <laughs> And we haven't had any other case studies. No. And I think... No, this is weird. <laughs> they just keep using this phrase, diabolical mind, when they really want to say psychopath or sociopath, which they're saying interchangeably, and also are both not real things. No. Um, we were doing some <sighs> some Googling. Some bef- quick Before Googling. we started recording. And yeah, psychopath is a word that gets thrown around. And I feel like people who want to be like, oh no, we're going to use the real term, you sociopath. <laughs> But neither are those are not real like things. medical diagnoses. Those are not recognized clinical. They're used terms. in in surprise, surprise, the court of law. Yeah, that's really depressing. But it's, it's not actually free- <laughs> the the explanation we found in our brief googling was like, oh, these are not recognized diagnostic terms. However, they are frequently used in the criminal justice system. It's like, oh, well, that's great. That makes a lot of sense. I love branding people as irredeemable, and that you should just <laughs> lock them up, throw away the key, based on fucking junk, non-existent science. Yeah, lovely. Isn't that how our justice system should work? No, no. Uh. Yeah, I don't even know what else to say other than we're going to complain a lot about this episode. Diabolical mind. Yeah, yeah, the diabol. I'm just thankful that Liz has this first one. Okay, well, here's the thing, though, is that I'm I'm barely going to touch on this because... Because it's pretty much just propaganda? (sighs) Yeah, because we get some, like, weird pro-war propaganda at the beginning of this. All right. Disguised as we're going to analyze this phenomenon of the psychopath. Here's what Robert Stack says. A cunning mind, unrestrained by conscience. Some call them psychopaths. Some do. (laughs) They're wrong to do so, but some do. Others call them sociopaths. Also, not a thing. (laughs) We call them diabolical minds. Cool. Which I I don't know if that's just like a way to get around libel. (laughs) Like, look, we're not calling people psychopaths. I I don't know. I don't know why they did that. Clearly, they thought it sounded cool. They use it constantly. I think diabolical sounds salacious, and like they're clearly painting a picture of people that 
Okay, CBS, give me a call. I want to greenlight a show called Diabolical Minds. It's basically just Criminal Minds, <coughs> but I'm calling it Diabolical Minds. Sure. Hit me up. I, I can make that happen. I can write that. No problem. Boom, boom, boom. Money in the bank. Yeah. <laughs> Money, please, <laughs> for Diabolical Minds. I'm, I can flesh that out. Yeah. That's just what it sounds like. It sounds like a stupid show that would be on CBS. <laughs> Yeah. Diabolical minds. Okay, so then <sighs> Robert Stack talks about, quote, unkept maniacs. And <laughs> he shows pictures of, like, monsters from books. And it's like, but in real life, psychopaths are ordinary people that look just like you and me. They spend a lot of time at the beginning of this episode talking about how, like, a serial killer could be standing next to you at the grocery store, which it's like, yeah, because they just look like people. Why? What? Is this, like, some storybook idea where, like, the the, ba- the better you are on the inside, the uglier you yes. are on the outside? Like, that's it's, not how life works. It's unfortunate that serial killer's eyes don't glow red. <laughs> so you can tell them. So you instantly know, hey, that guy at the grocery store is a serial killer. Yeah. He hasn't just killed one person. He's killed three with pauses. Yeah, people who do crimes aren't just, like, covered in boils. <laughs> and that's how you can tell that they do crimes. Like, oh, yeah, they just look like any other person. That's supposed to be very scary. So we see a picture of Jeffrey Dahmer. They talk a little bit about Ted Bundy and how he was well-liked, and they point out that he was very prominent in the, the Republican Party, as if that makes him respectable. Uh, yeah, no. that just makes me more suspicious. That was a huge red flag that everybody overlooked, is what that was. I want that bumper sticker on Etsy. I wish I knew oh, that. Oh, no. I, yeah, that's so good. This the one that just says Ted Bundy was a Republican? I just like a everything. reminder. There's also one that is of Ted Cruz, and it says, Ted Cruz ate my son. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a photo of Ted Cruz. I would put that on everything. It doesn't make any sense. I don't care. Okay. So they talk a tiny bit about Ted Bundy. Yeah. He worked for a suicide hotline. Yeah. He, you know, he was a ladies man, whatever. You, you already know all that junk. Then we hear the tiniest bit about John Wayne Gacy. Oh, yeah. And they were like, he was a respectable guy. He was a clown at children's parties. And I was like, again, mm, red flag. Yeah. Creepy as hell. Not, that actually doesn't doesn't mean that he was a normal person. He was a clown, and he was in the boys' wrestling, like a normal person. And yeah. you know, oh, oh, okay. Then we talk very briefly about Hitler. That's right. Okay. It's Hitler time. And we see home movies of Hitler that Robert Stack was like, look, here, you can't even tell he's evil, because he's talking to children and, like, petting a dog. And I was like, yeah, I guess Hitler wasn't 100% evil 100% of his waking hours. <laughs> Again, it's a child. It just looks like any other child. Yeah. You can I, just pick any also, evil person from the world and show us a baby picture of It's very hard to look at a picture of Hitler with the Hitler mustache and not go, well, clearly that man's evil. Well, that's fucking Hitler. <laughs> All right. So I'm glad we established Hitler was evil. Again, this podcast, <laughs> we're brave enough to say Nazis are bad. It's a controversial opinion. We're willing to go out on that limb. Uh, Hitler, bad dude, not a fan. So then, this is where the show jumps off the rails and then, like, does a dance about jumping <laughs> off the rails. <laughs> does a victory dance, like, woo, we're off the rails. <laughs> is that we go from immediately from Hitler to, from, to Saddam Hussein. And oh, then, yeah, that makes sense. And then, this is hilarious and has aged very well, praise ourselves as Americans for our victory in the Gulf War. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. know that war that we're, like, still doing? Robert Stack refers to his uh, swift defeat. Okay. Which is hilarious and ironic and sad. We get, like, this parade of experts to tell us about how Hitler and Saddam Hussein are psychopaths. Yeah. Were psychopaths. Um, and how they're essentially the same dude. I, yeah, I don't know. They they list off some bad things that Saddam, Saddam Hussein did and talk about how he's a psychopath. I don't know. That's this whole segment. Uh, yeah, it's weird. Uh, it's just sort of like pro-war propaganda thrown in the middle of your unsolved mysteries. There's no fucking mystery here. No. I, I'm not a fan of Saddam Hussein. He's a bad dude. I don't... There's no point to the segment beyond, it's really good we went to war. And then we, like, learned some stuff that Saddam Hussein did. That's I don't know. Pretty and much And we see it. some scary footage. There is nothing else worth talking about, except that 
What I found very appalling, and you should be aware of if you're about to watch this episode, is they saw footage of people dead in the streets of in- Iraq. Including children. Children and a baby, like a little kid, dead in the street. Yep. And it's very disgusting, and that's when I was like, I think I'm just going to throw in the towel. I think I'm done. Completely. What the fuck is this shit? What is the point of any of this? I don't know what the point of showing that picture was. It's completely devoid of context. We don't know who killed those people. And uh, it's so what? sad and it's so brutal. It's horrible. It does not make me feel good about anything. And I don't think it proves anything about this non-existent diagnosis. And it's just gross. It should not be included in such a salacious entertainment show. Yeah, it's no. very bad taste. Everything about it was wrong, and I, hate I hated it. it. I hated it. So that's really all I think we're going to say about that segment. So a big warning on that. I would say skip this whole damn episode. Honestly, yeah. And maybe write to the producers of Unsolved Mysteries and say, what the hell? What is this bullshit? Why didn't that go in the trash and never come out? <laughs> yeah. You're allowed to uh, pretend you didn't do things. And this is <laughs> You should have pretended you didn't do. They don't know. You should have thrown this away. It has aged so badly and it's so offensive and gross. And I'm so sad for whose families is like included in that footage. Oh, I hate it. Yeah. I hate it. Okay. It's awful. So guess what? Hitler, bad. Ted Bundy, bad. Saddam Hussein, bad. I'm glad we had a whole segment just to teach us that. Never would have figured it out. Uh, Yeah, I know. But it's also just... I don't know. It's the whole thing is bad in multiple ways. Yeah. All right. We can talk about the next mystery, which is also not a mystery because it's solved. It's just like this case study of a diabolical mind. So this is unusual for unsolved mysteries. It's a a crime that there's no was mystery. solved before. They they just want to tell you about this bad person. So Robert Stack comes out to tell us, "quote It may not surprise you that ninety five percent of serial killers and mass murderers are male." It does not surprise Doesn't me. Surprise me. You're all. right, Robert Stack. He says, as one expert put it, quote, if you are looking for the diabolical gender, it's the male. <laughs> so, I, I mean, I don't know that I would have used that word. Samantha, who is more diabolical, men or women? And you would go, Liz, that's a stupid <laughs> fucking question. Don't ask that. And I would have said, you're right. I'm half asleep and I'm going back to bed. So what? as you might guess, we are profiling a uh, diabolical female. Oh, just my Just to change goodness. things up. It's like Snapped. <laughs> it is. In fact, I think this was covered on Snapped. I mean, probably. I think I put it at the end. Okay. So this is the story of Marie Hilly. Frank and Marie Hilly of Anniston, Alabama, had been high school sweethearts with Frank romantically writing letters to Marie while he was enlisted in the U.S. Navy. They married in 1950 and had two children, Mike and Carol. The Hillies worked together at a local foundry where Frank was a foreman and Marie was a secretary. By outward appearances, their marriage seemed to be the embodiment of the loving American couple. Uh, what does that mean? No idea. Is that different than the loving Canadian couple? <laughs> the loving Mexican couple? <laughs> I don't know. The loving American couple. All right. Don't know. Uh, but everything changed when Frank, Marie, and Carol became sick with stomach problems. Mike was 18 at the time, and he recalled that the illness began... Interestingly, just a few months after life insurance policies were purchased on him, Carol, and Frank. The thing with learning about crime is that life insurance becomes such a, like, suspicious thing in general. (laughs) Right. Like, why do we even have life insurance? It's suspicious, all right. So that's why I took out a huge policy on Samantha. Uh, doctors were unable to diagnose the stomach problems, however, when Mike went off to college, his illness immediately vanished. Hmm. After that, Frank's illness became worse. During this time, the Hillies' marriage was falling apart. Much of the tension was due to money, with Frank being hounded by creditors for debts that Marie had accumulated through her, according to Robert Stack, quote, reckless spending. I was kind of curious what she was buying. Me too. I guess it was just, like, clothes and stuff, but how much debt can you really rack up on that? I guess a lot. That's a naive question, I suppose. I, well, I, see, I never buy clothes, so, uh, um. How much debt is Travis going to rack up on his clothes? <laughs> Ten dollars. <laughs> he never buys any clothes. 
He's still wearing sweatshirts. Liz and I were just talking about this. He's still wearing sweatshirts that are like so tattered. I've asked him if he could just throw them away. And he's like, no, they're broken in. They're like the most comfortable ones. But it looks like he's been attacked by a cat. They're like the sleeves and cuffs are like shredded. I'm like, why are you wearing this? I don't know. Men, I don't know. I don't get it. <laughs> Sounds diabolical to me. <laughs> okay. Uh, Frank confided in his son that he came home from work one day to find Marie in bed with one of her bosses. Seems like it'd be hard in a marriage. Gotta get that raise. I mean, (laughs) Mike believes that Frank was planning to divorce her. As Frank's sickness began to worsen, he was taken to the hospital. Marie rarely left his side and continued to feed him her own meals. Okay. On May 25th, 1975, he passed away. The official cause of death was hepatitis. Marie spent very little time mourning, however. <laughs> Shouldn't laugh. The proceeds from his life insurance totaled more than $30,000, and with that money, she refurnished the house, bought a new car, and bought a lot of new clothing and jewelry. Sounds like she got a lot for thirty grand. She did. Uh, even after the money ran out, she continued spending. And Mike would receive phone calls now from creditors wanting money from him. Marie had promised her creditors that Mike would pay her debts, which he... Didn't appreciate. Is that her son? Yes. <laughs> okay. Who's <laughs> like in college? Yes. He's going to pay her debt somehow? All right. Yes. Four years after Frank's death, Carol, then 18, began suffering from similar symptoms that he and Mike had suffer- suffered from years earlier. At the time, nobody knew that Marine ha- Marie had purchased life insurance on her daughter. Hmm. Shortly after Carol became ill, Mike returned from Alabama to confront Marie about her spending. That morning, she cooked him breakfast, and he immediately fell ill. Huh. So, not great. He recovered and returned to his home in Florida. However, Carol's condition worsened, and she was taken to the hospital. She eventually became paralyzed from the waist down. Marie would inject her with some things that she would claim were supposed to help her, but it only made her condition worse. This is so, so sad. It's horrible. On September 20th, 1979, Marie was arrested for passing bad checks and was bailed out by extended family members. Around this time, her daughter went back to the hospital and was re-examined by doctors who found signs that she was being poisoned with arsenic. Hmm... In October 1979, Frank's body was exhumed for a second autopsy. He was found to have striped fingernails, a symptom known as Aldrich Mies lines, which are telltale signs of arsenic in the body. Did you immediately look at your fingernails after you learned this? <laughs> yes, enough? I did. Like, I have, I have, oh, good. I have nail polish on, so but I don't think I have Aldrich knee, knee lines. Me lines. All right. Well, keep an eye on it just in case. I don't know. I am drinking this polar water I got in your fridge. Yeah, it was sealed, right? Uh, see, that life insurance pays out. <laughs> That's why Samantha only wants to eat Kit Kats and polar water, because these are <laughs> items are are sealed. That's true. She's not suspicious as when I... You don't, you don't have a syringe, you're just poking through I'm like, hey, I just dipped this candy apple. <laughs> And she, no. Mm-mm. On January 11th, 1980, an arrest warrant was issued charging Marie with her husband's murder. However, she had already vanished. Although Carol was not murdered like Frank, Marie was also wanted for causing undue harm to her. In 1980, Marie resurfaced in Florida under the name Lindsay Robbie Hannon and met a man named John Homan. She claimed that she was a widow and was about to inherit a large estate which made her tempting as a partner. She also claimed that she had advanced brain cancer and a rare disease where her body made too many red blood cells. Okay. So basically she was like, look, I have a lot of money and I'm about to die. You want to marry me, right? And he was like, all of this sounds great, baby. Let's (laughs) set a date. I mean, people say romance is dead. (laughs) So romantic. They began dating and got married on May in May 1981. She soon found a job as a secretary. In September 1982, Marie Marie claimed that her cancer had worsened. She also had to go to Texas for treatment. A short time later, John got a call from Terry Martin, Robbie's purported twin sister. Did she she lay any track for this lie? (laughs) Did she ever mention previously having a twin sister? Honestly, it didn't seem like it. It did not. It seemed like total soap opera bullshit where just all of a sudden it's like, Oh, they never mentioned they had an identical twin. <laughs> I was like, you knew, did you not know you were going to say that later? Like, she could have been like, I don't know that she I'm had a long term plan or if she was just dying. 
and have an identical twin. She could have brought that up from the first date. It seems like she was just winging it, but I don't know. You know what? I'm. She's a terrible person, but I'm kind of impressed. Anyway. This the, takes balls. <laughs> this, this supposed twin sister informed him that Robbie had died. A distraught John offered to travel to Texas to make funeral arrange- arrangements for his wife. But Terry Martin informed him that it was Robbie's last, last wish to have her body studied by science. And she had handed over her sister's earthly remains to a university. So there was no way to university. Make, make a trip to Texas. Um, uh, Stomach uh, University. Stomach <laughs> University. I, I donated her, her body to Dr. Stomach. It's going to be studied Stomach University. <laughs> I've never heard of Stomach University. Oh, it's it's attached to Stomach Hospital. Yeah, yeah. It's part very, of the Austin it's very prestigious. Stomach Hospital. Don't very worry prestigious. about it. Okay, this is the part that, gets, that really takes balls. It this. gets even wilder. So she kept in touch with John, and after some time of getting to know him over the phone, he w- he decided that he wished to meet her. Terry, Which what? Terry thought this was a great idea and suggested that they meet in Florida. Now, in actuality, uh, Marie had once again reinvented herself as Terry, and she showed up to their meeting with dyed blonde hair, which in the reenactment looks like a wig. It looks like she just showed up with, like, a blonde wig on. I'm slightly less impressed. I thought this bitch claimed (laughs) to be dead, put on a wig, and then just showed up at her ex-husband's house and was like, oh, yeah, hi, I'm my own identical twin. It's exactly that, except she dyed her hair, so she put a little more work into it. But they had been talking on the phone for a while, and then she showed up just being like, hi, I'm... I'm I'm Terry! What was with this guy that she wanted to like get back together with him after faking her death? I have, I think she just wanted money. I honestly have no clue. We didn't what really get. We didn't really get a motive, but John is apparently not that bright <laughs> because <laughs> literally everyone else that saw her was like, "That's just the same person with blonde hair." And he was like, no, no, it's her identical twin. I don't know. I think the guy was just real horny. Maybe. I'm not sure. This is so confusing. Maybe he didn't have a lot of women throwing themselves at him. And he was like, look, clearly my wife faked her own death and then came back. I don't really care. I, no one else is coming around. Yeah. yeah. This is so weird. So Terry got a job as a secretary. I'm not really sure if it's like the same job that his dead wife was doing. That's so, wild. I all hope of, it was. All of the co-workers immediately saw through this and was like, this is just the same person with blonde hair. Uh, and she was like, they were like, wow, you all uh, really understand our filing system. She, I'm a quick learner. John's- it's not that I've done this for years before. It's not. John's friends and family were also concerned and they thought that he was taken by a con woman. They wanted- What's the con though? I don't know. I assume he's like paying for her shit. That has to be it. Otherwise, why would you do this? But why fake her the death? I don't know. What did she get out of that? He didn't even send money for the funeral. He was told her body was gone. I sort of think maybe she, when she got with him, she told him that she was dying of cancer, and then she just stayed. She just didn't die. And so eventually, maybe he was like, don't you have cancer? And like, weren't you supposed to die? Like, didn't you have like, <laughs> didn't you have like six months to live and like years go by? So I think maybe she just was like, oh, yeah. I and died, I'm dead. but I still want to be with this guy because maybe he like pays for all my shit and doesn't ask a lot of questions. So then she just <laughs> pretends to be her twin sister. That's the only thing I can think of. It's wild. She it's... was like, "Oh yeah, I told this guy I was gonna die, but I'm not dying. So she now been... I have to die." Could but she I have just been like, "It's a miracle. <laughs> they found a cure in Switzerland. Honestly, I'm fine." This, this guy probably would have believed it. This guy would have believed it. She just dyed her hair. <laughs> I've had my hair all the time. Nobody has ever thought I'm a totally different person. Can you... Okay, for a second, let's imagine you did this to Mac. He would just be like, what the fuck is wrong with you? (laughs) Also, think of, like, in a marriage, how many, like, little inside jokes and stuff you have. You would have to pretend you didn't get any of those, (laughs) and I would fail instantly. Yeah, Or Mac would make some reference to something, and I would be laughing. He'd be like, wait, how do you even know what that is? That's when we were dating as teenagers, and I'd be like, oh, crap. <laughs> I mean, uh, my twin sister told me all about it. <laughs> That's my twin sister voice, by the way. So, yeah, um, his family was suspicious, <laughs> and... <laughs> as it fucking well should be. Uh, oh, work. Yeah, and then what is Max family going to say when I just show up blonde? <laughs> 
the same be a different damn person. person. Oh my god! Yeah, I don't know. So uh, Terry was. Oh no, my name's not Liz. It's um, it's Fizz. Fizz. <laughs> Actually, my name is Zill. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, it's a totally different person. Totally. Thanks. Totally. Uh, Terry was unsurprisingly unable to produce a death certificate for her sister. Huh. And everybody's suspicions proved white, right when, ta- quote, Terry was arrested because she was mistaken <laughs> for another wanted woman. This is hilarious. She was arrested because police thought she was someone else that was wanted. <laughs> and then when they had her in custody, they discovered that she was actually this other person who was wanted for murder in a different state. <laughs> I like that the police... Only succeeded by fucking up. <laughs> so it changed. Oh, this actually worked out. Oh, that's convenient. Well, they didn't find the woman they were looking for. Maybe they did eventually. I don't know. And maybe it was Robbie. She's probably outside right now. She's about to come in yeah, and kill maybe. us. In January 1983, Marie was returned to Alabama and was sentenced to life in prison for Frank's murder. But in 1987, she escaped. However, her freedom was short-lived as she developed hypothermia in the wild back country behind the prison. What? She just stayed out behind the prison? She was, like, in the forest, and it was winter. It was, like, <laughs> freezing cold. One week after her escape, she made her way to Blue Mountain, Alabama. <laughs> the town she was born in and attempted to enlist the aid of a school friend to harbor her as a fugitive. However, the woman Marie thought was her friend had not seen her since grade school and had failed to identify her as Marie and instead believed her to be uh, like a just a random woman suffering from hypothermia and called 911. Marie Hilly died shortly afterwards from prolonged exposure. She is buried in Alabama alongside Frank. Wow. Why would you bury her next to the husband she murdered? I guess that's because maybe they already purchased the plot. I don't know. That's sick. That's that one. That's a wild story. I think they should make a whole movie out of that story, honestly. I do think it was on... I. F- didn't I forgot to write it down? But in the Unsolved Mysteries wiki, it had a bunch of other TV shows that this case was featured on. I think it was in like Cold Case and some other stuff. No, I want like a serious movie, like starring Nicole Kidman. Oh, that'd be great. I want like a real movie that, that tries to tell this story, <laughs> the most unrealistic true story of all time. She just yeah shows up. Should we oh, should we eat a Kit Kat before we continue? Yeah, I, I I'm could use the strength to know what this purple thing is. Oh, also, this looks like a purple tart with something on top. I feel like this is gonna be taro. Okay, let's find out. I mean, it's purple. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm, that's good. Oh, that's real good. I like that a lot. Yep, delicious. I had I did draw a couple um, mustaches. Oh, there were some good mustaches in this one. So. From the mystery you just talked about, there was a guy, I don't know if he was a cop or an expert, but I've never seen an illustration like this before. Was it this one? No. (laughs) (laughs) That's something. Half of it was, like, neat and orderly, and then the other half, I don't know if he just got, like, ruffled before he went on TV, was like, what? (laughs) So, yeah, here I drew here. I literally called it. I don't remember that one. What the fuck? (laughs) Because it looked like half of it was neatly combed down, and then half of it was just, like, exploding off his face. And then this was a forensic psychologist. It was a pretty normal mustache, but it wasn't trimmed very well. And I called this the unkept maniac. Mm. I don't even remember that mustache that you just showed me, but it's hilarious. This one might have been in your first quote-unquote mystery. Because this is a sociologist named Jack Levin, who has Mm. the bushiest... I realize we say this all the time, but this is the bushiest mustache stuff I've ever seen. I'm going to call that... This looks like it's going to jump off his face and attack you. Yeah. I call that a herd of mountain goats. It kind of does look a little mountain. It's very frizzy. Like, that is, a, that is a scratchy mustache if I've ever seen one. Yeah, I'm not kissing that, dude. No way. <laughs> In case anyone was wondering. <laughs> Liz is not going to make out with this guy. <laughs> no. Okay, this mystery, mystery, this segment has the dumbest opening yet. <laughs> Where literally words come on the screen. Just yeah. random words. Chair. Mother. <laughs> Moon. And of course, the last word is murder. Yeah. At some point, Matt came in the room and it was just a TV screen that was black and just had the word rape on it. <laughs> like, that's what I'm sitting around. He took a picture. He's like, look, look at you right now. Just watching TV, just watching the word rape. All right. This episode is the And Robert Stack says, I am not kidding. This is what he says words. <laughs> collections of letters <laughs> some bearing an emotional charge others as neutral as air it's really deep 
perhaps providing a window to the inner workings of the diabolical mind. Here we are again. And then we see this guy named Dr. Robert doing some testing on people where he has people just look at words and then they're hooked up to something and he's like recording their brain activity as a, a reaction to different words and that's supposed to test if people are psychopaths, which again, is not a thing, <laughs> but it's to see if people have a lack of inner voice, which sounds like some absolute bullshit. Go, go play music to plants. <laughs> that's a better use of your time than that experiment. Anyway, and then people debate whether or not you're born a psychopath which, oh, wouldn't that be so convenient if some people were just evil and we could just lock them up forever and forget all about them? Hmm, it doesn't seem like we would use that inappropriately to target specific groups of people. No, not at all. So Dr. Hare says that people are born with it. And then some other guy was like, no, people are shaped by families and societies. Whatever. It's not helpful in any way. Then we, the reason we're talking about words, the power of words, is that we have an interview with a supposed diabolical mind. I hate this segment. Which is this guy, G. Daniel Walker, who's locked up in Northern California, who's been found guilty of fraud, armed robbery, and murder after defending himself in court and blaming the mob. Yeah, and blaming everyone else. Yeah, he says that he's innocent of the murder, but is also, like, clearly proud that he's committed so many crimes. And let's see what the Unsolved Mysteries wiki says. This guy is super smug and super annoying, and I kind of hated that they gave him any ear time. Very punchable. And this guy... It's so punchable. <laughs> this guy who's interviewing asks him questions like, do you have any remorse? And then he goes into this long diatribe about how, like, do I have any remorse for getting caught? Do I yeah. have any remorse for losing my trial? That's not the question. Dude. G. Daniel Walker. Quit being so annoying. Okay, so Unsolved Mysteries says, he is a prison inmate who escaped from prison in 1973 while serving time for a robbery and attempted murder. Several months after his escape, he murdered television executive William Ashlock in California and raped his fiancée repeatedly while proclaiming his love to her. After After the murder, he forced her to help cover up the crime. I don't think they referred to him as a rapist when introducing him because I don't think he was found guilty of that rape charge, but the guy's awful and mm-hmm. I hope he dies. Anyway, um, he was later arrested for William's murder. However, he claimed that he was innocent and that a quote mafia hit squad was actually responsible. Like, most brilliant people Walker defended himself in court, but was convicted of murder and seven, sentenced to 17 years to life in prison. During his Unsolved Mysteries interview with FBI investigator Robert Ressler, he showed many signs of the, quote, diabolical mind's condition. Okay. Unsolved Mysteries wiki, that ain't a thing. <laughs> Stop. We appreciate all your help. <laughs> We appreciate the information that you're providing us that we use for our podcast. We do. But there is no such thing as the diabolical mind condition. Stop it. Absolutely stop it. Um, a theory that postulated that, s- that some people are unable to differentiate between right and wrong. He talked about his lengthy rap sheet boasting about crimes he had not been charged with. He also talked about his escaped attempts and his overall prison life. Yeah, he talks about how being in prison isn't that bad because he gets food and he doesn't have to do his laundry. And he refers to prison as like his wife. It's really gross. It's if anything could make me want to punch this man more. It's like. No, this ain't so bad, because having someone wash my socks for me is the equivalent of a wife. He also says something like, prison is great because I can, they'll make me breakfast in the morning, I can go back and kill my cellmate in the afternoon, and then they'll still feed me dinner in the evening. I was like, I guess they won't let you starve to death. Is that great? Yeah, no. (laughs) He also mentioned that there are similarities between the police and the criminals that they try to catch. I mean, true. After the interview... Walker tried to get a shipment of poison sent to him while in prison in an attempt to kill a deputy district attorney that had prosecuted him. Although the attempt failed, (laughs) it likely added to his sentence. I mean, this guy doesn't care. He doesn't got anything to lose. So apparently this Diabolical Minds special aired November 3rd, 1991. 
And um, it says that he's still incarcerated at the Solanus Valley State Prison. And that he has tried to appeal his conviction several times, but all attempts were unsuccessful. Gee, I wonder why. Yeah, this guy seems extremely guilty and extremely gross. And I don't know. It's a shame he didn't eat that poison he tried to get, I guess. That's too bad. Anyway, I don't want to think about that guy anymore in the end. All right. Well, do you want to think about a whole family being killed and thrown uh, in, the, in the ocean? This is so sad. This is an episode of Forensic Files. I'm sorry. I don't know the pun name of the episode that they gave this, but this one has haunted me forever. And now we have to talk about it more. It's great. Okay. So Hal and Joan Rogers owned a... This one is actually like at the time it aired, they were actually looking for this someone. This one's actually a mystery. So this is actually a, a fucking mystery. Okay. <laughs> I will, oh, can someone do a drawing of Samantha smoking a cigarette, sitting at a microphone and saying, this one's actually a fucking mystery. <laughs> no, Samantha doesn't smoke, but it just adds to the thing. <laughs> Hal and Joan Rogers owned a dairy farm in Wilshire, Ohio, and had two daughters, 17-year-old Michelle and 14-year-old Christy. On May 26, 1989, Joan and her daughters went on vacation to Tampa, Florida. Along the way, they visited the Jacksonville Zoo, Kennedy Space Center, and Walt Disney World. It's a bomb-ass vacation. Yeah, wow, that's a serious vacation. They arrived at their motel in Tampa at around noon on June 1st. When they did not return to their home in Ohio that weekend, Hal became concerned and reported them missing. On the same day that they were supposed to return home, their bodies were found floating in Tampa Bay. Each had been bound with tape, weighed down with a cinder block, and dumped into the bay while still alive. So, so horrible. They had also been sexually assaulted prior to their deaths. It okay, is- murder. the murderer is going to kill me. Are you out there? Can you not kill me this way? Please? Like, please. This sounds so, so off. This is what a, a terrible nightmare. way to They go. were just on a vacation as a like this little girl, this girl and her children it makes me want to cry it was clear that authorities to authorities that they were dealing with quote this is unsolved mysteries a psychopathic killer I, i'm sorry did you say a diabolical mind <laughs> yes yes mm, okay. mm-hmm. authorities believe did they did he have the diabolical mind condition <laughs> You know what? This guy might have. Okay. Authorities believe that the victims had met their killer shortly after arriving in Tampa. It is believed that the killer overcame the victim's, quote, natural suspicions by presenting himself in a non-threatening manner. Yeah, I'm sure he didn't say, hello, can I please murder you? (laughs) Of course he presented himself in a non-threatening manner. It's a victim-blaming way of saying they shouldn't have got it on the boat. But they did anyway because he, like, was a handsome man, which we'll find out later he was fucking not. Yeah, I'm I'm assuming he just, like, spent some time with them. He earned their trust. He was charming, whatever. Or maybe he was pretending to be a tour guide. Who fucking knows? Yeah, yeah. Maybe he was offering a, a good deal on whale watching. Like, it could be literally anything. On June 8th, Joan's car was Wait, found- I'm sorry. Are you offering a good deal on whale watching? <laughs> I'm interested. No, that would get me in a boat. Yeah. I want to go whale watching. And if Sounds it's- great. And if you got a sale going on, sign me up. <laughs> and I'm going to save money? <laughs> Hello. <laughs> I want to see whales and save money. Save whales. It could literally money. be the same amount you normally charge. You could just no, tell just me tell it's like fifty percent off, and I'll be like, "That's a great deal." And then when I tell people about, I go, "Usually those trips are pretty expensive, but <laughs> I got a good deal because I, I know a guy. I, I just met this guy <laughs> at a dock, and he just said he'd take me whale watching." All right. Um, on June 8th, Joan's car was found at a boat ramp near their motel. A note inside suggested that the women had been trapped. It contained directions to the boat ramp along with the initials B slash W. It is believed that they were meeting someone with a blue and white boat. So I think, I don't know, maybe they ended up like, I'm picturing a scene where you're like, out, you're on vacation, you're having a great time, you're like, eating lunch somewhere where you're outside he's over at the next table he starts talking to you yeah he says like oh you're from so-and-so my aunt used to live there like you start a rapport and then he's like oh would you like to like come out and see the sunset on my boat and you're like you know what that would be great the kids would love that yeah and then i would do it yeah because you're trusting i mean you don't assume that someone is gonna just 
Yeah, throw you in the ocean. <laughs> Tied to a cinder block? No, I would not assume that. It is believed that they were lured to their deaths with the promise of an innocent boat ride. An accomplice may also Oof. have been involved. As of yet, the killer remains unidentified. So it was believed that the killer who um, wrote the note that was found in Joan's car. The note suggested that he had a blue and white boat. A guest at the motel reported seeing an unidentified, well-groomed white man loading a cooler into a white boat with blue stripes the day before the murders. It was towed by a dark Chevy Blazer or a Ford Bronco. Authorities believe that the killer is a psychopath who probably killed before and may kill again. Yeah, it's probably not his first time. He just had cinder blocks on his boat. (laughs) It is suspected that he was surprised that the bodies surfaced so quickly and that he may change his method in future crimes. So this crime was also featured on Forensic Files, The New Detectives, Cold Case Files, and A Current Affair. So, this was solved. After several years of investigation, authorities decided to use a new technique to identify the killer. In July 1992, they placed five billboards throughout Tampa, which showed the handwriting on the note left in Joan's car. A woman identified it as that of her neighbor's handwriting, a 45-year-old fisherman named Oba Chandler. Boo. Authorities soon connected him to the May 1989 sexual assault of a Canadian tourist, a crime eerily similar to the Rogers murders. That I didn't know. The victim was with her friend when she met a man who offered to take them for a boat ride. The next day, the victim went alone on a boat ride with a man near Madeira Beach. While in the Gulf of Mexico, he made sexual advances against her, and when she rebuffed him, he sexually assaulted her. Um, she and her friend both later identified Chandler as the attacker. A palm Boo. print found on the note was later matched to Chandler. A handwriting expert also confirmed that the writing on the note matched Chandler's. It was discovered that he was living in Tampa at the time of the murders and owned a blue and white boat, similar to the one seen at the motel. On the afternoon of the murders, he told a co-worker that he was in a hurry because he, quote, had a date with three women. Phone records placed him on Tampa Two Bay that night. children. I know. Even just that's gross. The whole thing is horrible. Shortly after, a composite sketch of the murderer's suspect was released. Chandler (laughs) fled the area and did not return for several weeks. One month after the murders, he sold his blue and white boat. The man who bought the boat recalled seeing concrete blocks at his home. Some blocks had three holes and some had two. Several months after the murders, Chandler visited his daughter and her husband in Cincinnati, Ohio. He told them that he could not go back to Florida because he was wanted for killing three women. Oh my god! He just said that. What? What did they do? Nothing? I don't know, but he also allegedly boasted to his son-in-law about sexually assaulting and killing women. Uh, Dad, I know you're listening. If you tell me (laughs) that you killed three people, I'm, I'm gonna turn you in. I'm sorry. Yeah, what? In September of 1992, Chandler was arrested and charged with the Canadian tourist assault. A few weeks later, he was charged with the murders. At trial, he admitted meeting Michelle and claimed that he gave her directions to the motel. However, he denied killing them, claiming that he was on his boat all night because his fuel line had burst. However, a certified boat mechanic tested that the boat's fuel line was in good shape and had no signs of repair. He was convicted of the murder and sentenced to death in November 1994. On November 15, 2011, Chandler was executed at Florida State Prison. Authorities believe that he was involved in several other unsolved abductions, rapes, and murders dating back to the 1960s. In February 2014, DNA testing connected him with the 1990 rape and murder of... I'm going to struggle to pronounce this. Ivelisse? Uh, I can't pronounce her last name, I'm sorry. Um, But this confirmed that he was a serial killer. Wow. So that's really a horrible story. I really like the investigative technique, and I've only heard about it in this case from Forensic Files, that they had this sample of what they believed was the killer's handwriting, and they put it up on these five billboards, and they said, does anybody recognize this handwriting? And I think that's such a good use. Handwriting analysis is fucking dubious. But using that as a lead to find other evidence, I think it's really smart. And I wish... That was used more often. Yeah. But for the neighbor to be like, you should look into this guy. And then they find the handprint. They find more tangible evidence mm-hmm. than just handwriting analysis. But that leads them in a direction because they didn't know where to go. They didn't know who to look at. They had no leads whatsoever. And as far as I can tell, if they hadn't got this lead from his neighbor, they never would have found him. I think it's really so, smart. I like yeah. it. I think that's a good <clears throat> use of, I don't know, resources, whatever. I think it's super smart. Yeah. That, the investigation is interesting. This is such a fucking really sad crime. Sad. These, this mom and her two daughters, they were on a lovely vacation that I'm sure they'd saved up for for a while. It was a special trip that they were going to remember for the rest of their lives. And then they were fucking murdered. 
It's a brutal, brutal case. Yeah, it's horrible. And their poor father and husband. The only satisfaction is like that he gets caught, but yeah. it's it's so little considering how awful it is. Yep. So, so this is one brutal downer of an episode. Such a downer. Should we, I guess, read it? I, well, we'll try our best. Reenactments? I don't know. I've got nothing positive to say. <laughs> nothing. Thumbs down. Uh, yeah. Um, oh, mysteriousness. We skipped that one. I don't it's think it's very not mysterious. mysterious at all because almost none of them are actually mysteries. No, thumbs wait. Th- th- thumbs the downest. Thumbs the downest, indeed. Fashion? The only thing I can say is that there were a lot of mustaches, but a lot of the mustaches were on the faces of people like I Hitler. don't like. So, well, yeah, that no. one. That one. But I was thinking more than like the psychologist. <laughs> they were on the face of, like, Saddam Hussein. Yeah. So, no. Thumbs <laughs> way down again. Thumbs the downest. Yeah, this one's terrible. I don't know where Robert Stack was, but... He's talking about words. Words. <laughs> they combine to make sentences. <laughs> sentences become paragraphs. Paragraphs become pain. It's like... All right. Okay. We get it, Stack. We get it. So I have to give him a thumbs down, too, Sorry, because Robert that was Stack. so dumb. That was pretty dumb. He really, he really tried to sell it, and I give him a point for professionalism, but I just hate this episode so much. <laughs> we, okay, so how many Robert Stacks do you give this? <laughs> Zero? Five? <laughs> I hate it! I don't it, like anything It made me episode. not want to do this podcast anymore! <laughs> I think it's... That makes it worse than, like, Alcatraz or or anything else. At least we could stomach those episodes. Yeah. We didn't really... I'm not interested in Alcatraz as a topic, but I was able to watch the episode and there were some redeeming elements. I didn't have to see a dead child when I learned about Alcatraz. Right. This is irredeemable. Yeah. This gets a... It doesn't get a rating. It just gets a biohazard sticker. (laughs) You just slap it on there and put it in a, a drum and you haul it out to the toxic waste dump. Yeah. That's where this episode goes. Yep. <laughs> I was just realizing that I don't know wriggling, if I have... Wriggling with maggots. Oh, no, with maggots. Liz is doing a maggot dance. That's what maggots look like. They're really, really getting in there. <laughs> Dancing in that garbage. Okay, okay. And you're going, I don't have a recommendation. I was just thinking that I don't have one. I certainly could recommend something. Maybe I can think of something while you do yours. Do you have a recommendation? I do have a recommendation. Okay, good. You do it, and I'll think about what book I read lately that is okay. <laughs> Did you read a book about maggots? No. I could see you doing that. I could see myself doing that. Okay. I haven't, unfortunately. <laughs> so, I have a recommendation that I'm surprised I haven't recommended previously. Okay. And then I went, oh yeah, I should recommend that. Which is the artist designer Sugar Bones. Oh, um, who them up right now. designs all sorts of cool stuff. She designed the necklace I gave you for Christmas. It I says, love that. Please delete my internet history. <laughs> so Samantha now oh. has a little tag necklace, sort of like a medical alert bracelet but that says, says, please delete my internet I history. I love it so much. She is the one that designed the Midsummer pins yes. that I've been seeing on Twitter. That's why I brought it up. So I have a couple things from her that Mac actually got me. Where'd that other one go? Well, I have this pin that is Gomez and Morticia and a heart and I it love says it. when we're together every night is Halloween. I love it. That's true love. That's so sweet. Mac got me that for Halloween. And then somewhere what did I do with it? Oh well, well somewhere I have a oh here it is. He also got me this keychain that is a thing of strawberry milk but it says the blood of my enemies on it. <laughs> I feel like this was made just for me. I love it so much. Amazing. But I'm looking at her Instagram. It's yeah. wonderful. She's super talented. She makes all kinds of cool stuff. I feel like the quality of it is very high for the price. And the reason I was thinking of her was that she is doing a pre-sale for these three pins, enamel pins, for the movie Midsummer, And I can't decide which one I want, and I might have to get all of them. I think you kind of should. They're so good. There's one of the May Queen, there's one of a bear, which if you've seen the movie, you know why, and then there's one of a meat pie and a glass of the, like, herbal wine, and it says, be mine. And... Our friend of the pod, Rochelle, pointed out that enamel pins are just fancy stickers. (laughs) And it's true, but... I kind of need them because they're yeah. so good. Well, I can never commit to sticking a sticker on anything. It's true. My water bottle's just about full. That's like the only place that I can make myself put stickers on. So enamel pins are perfect because then you can t- you can you don't have to commit. You can take Mario. them off and put them somewhere else. 
I have this bag that has the from Natty Cats that has the little pouch yeah. to put them in and keep them safe. So I might have to get those three pins. She also has this very goth sleep mask right now that says rest in peace on it. Yes. And I think I might need that for getting acupuncture. Like, really, I don't at all. But it would be so extra and great to have a goth sleep mask when I get acupuncture. Yeah. She just has lots of really cute products. And I think she makes and packages everything herself and is doing really cool stuff. And I don't know, maybe you also need... Oh, there's a pin also of Gizmo driving that little Barbie car from Gremlins. <laughs> I love that part so much. It's so cute. So I might need that pin too. I think you probably do need it. There's also some Gizmo things that say riots, not diets, which is amazing. <laughs> I I love it all. So check out Sugar Bones. Cool. Um, okay, I think I'm going to recommend an Instagram account that I really like to Great follow. Great idea. So, uh, this is an, I'm literally, I was literally scrolling through my Instagram to try and find (laughs) some cute animal thing I could recommend for you to follow. Um, this is Walk-In Pets. Okay. This is a company that makes wheelchairs for animals. And it's the fucking cutest thing I've ever seen. I love scrolling through their feed. I love it when their pictures pop up because they share a lot of pictures of like animals that have used their wheelchairs. Like here's a goat in a wheelchair. Super cute. I found a lot of other, like, accounts to follow because a lot of these animals, of course, have their own Instagrams. And they're just, like, the cutest thing ever. So they share a lot of videos of, like, animals. Look at this little dog meetup Mm. with little dogs in their wheelchairs. Look at them running around. It's just the cutest thing I've ever seen. Um, There's a little boxer using his wheelchair. I love following cute animal accounts on I mean, it's Instagram. really the only thing that can get us through this cruel, harsh world. Uh, pretty much. And they make, they'll take, like, special requests. So, like, here is a little lamb that needed a special wheelchair because she had some developmental issues. And uh, they made it just specially for her. And she can now walk with her little wheelchair. And she's kind of recovering and getting her strength up. I think this is the cutest account I've ever seen. Um, there's, yeah, there's a sheep, there's, look at this cat in a little outfit. I mean, that's some quality Instagram content this right there. This is the kind of Instagram content that I need in We all life. need in this cold winter. Mm-hmm. In the apocalypse of the world. Yes, exactly. Uh, so that's my, uh, that's my recommendation. I used to sponsor a guinea pig named One-Eyed Jack, who had one eye and also used a wheelchair, and he was so cute. So cute. I love it when people, I feel like there's a certain, there's a certain person that says, like, oh, this animal should just be put down, right? Because they can't, like, use their back legs. And then there's people that are like, this animal's fine. Like, they just need- Let's make it a special wheelchair. Let's make it a special wheelchair. Make it one of those little bags you can put on them so they can just scoot around. Like- Look at this little duck they made a little wheelchair for. That is incredible. It's so cute. Adorable. I love this Instagram Bless account. them. So, oh, here's a chicken. I, <laughs> I could do this all day long. I could just scroll through <laughs> and be like, oh, look at this. Look at this pug wearing a little hat. I mean, I, I can't believe I had never seen that before. It's super. Where has this been all my life? It's really, really cute. Uh, so, yeah, give walk-in pets a follow. They do a lot of really good things, um, for disabled pets. And I appreciate everybody who chimed in with their questions about Noah's Ark. Yes. Apparently there I is. I love you all. It does say in the Bible that because of God's will, all the animals got along and got on the boat. So that question, I guess, is answered. But, <laughs> but that does not explain to me how the boat was big enough. Or how animals from, like, really far away got there, or how Noah got them. So, I still have questions, all right? That's my point. Someone asked what, how did Noah, what about animals that reproduce asexually, like earthworms? Did he just get one? Did he only need one of them? And did he dig up the animals that live underground? Like a mole? Yeah. Did he get a naked mole rat? (laughs) What about those animals that live in caves and don't really have eyes? Yeah. <laughs> what about those like monkeys that live in the jungle that have the really big eyes and they're nocturnal because their eyes oh, are so big? Yeah. How do you get two of those? Oh, he should have had two layers of the ark. One nocturnal, <laughs> one whatever you call animals that awake during the day. Those hamsters were keeping Noah up all night long. Did he have little wheels for the hamsters? I hope so. They were like <laughs> they were just running on their wheel. All- Noah's like fucking Why? A, I hate those hamsters. I can't get any sleep. <laughs> Why is this so fun to think about? <laughs> 
It's just, I guess because it's animals. You can just like picture all the cute little animals on the boat and try to think of how is this, how is this possible? Well, it's not. <laughs> That's the thing. But, oh, 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 oh. Also update. I learned that spider hoppers. Oh, important update. I mentioned these bugs that I called spider hoppers on the last episode. Wondered why anyone bothered putting them on the ark where the front of them looks like a spider and the back has grasshopper legs. Apparently they are called cave crickets and they are it seems like in a surprising amount of the country and not just one friend's <laughs> basement and I do this not like ter- that. This is terrifying. I, Missouri, Texas, who knows where else. <sighs> Can't go to those places now. Nope. Because Tex- all of Texas is off limits because <laughs> I might see a spider hopper. In the article which I clicked on and read, uh, they really do jump at your face yeah they do can confirm that's horrifying that, that's where the hopper part like, comes from. i'm sorry you have to burn your whole house down i don't know what to tell you it's just the way it is yeah so they're called apparently cave crickets a lot of people in our facebook group uh were saying that they either went to a friend's house that had them or they themselves had them in their own basement which pff, I'm sorry for the trauma you had to suffer through as a child. Uh, but I enjoyed, like, the other names people had for them. Yeah, yeah, there was, S- like, sprickets? I think, like, spider crickets? Camel crickets Yeah, camel crickets was another one. Oh, I don't get that one. I think we should all just, I don't know. Yeah, no. Let's just all live in Antarctica. I think they can't live there. Really fucked up bringing those cave crickets on the boat. (laughs) We can blame Noah for the cave crickets. Should have just left them to drown. Someone was like, "Wouldn't there be too much fresh water, and that would hurt the the sea, the the saltwater animals?" Which that's a good point too. It's a great point. Because I was picturing the manatee, like, waving at the boat, like, "I'm fine," but really, the manatee's not fine. Manatee's gonna want salt water. Yeah. Hmm, hmm, hmm. Big questions we Also, have. they just discovered this bioluminescent turtle. The first time that bioluminescence has been seen in a reptile, the shell glows red and yellow. It's kind of awesome. Look it up. It looks super cool. It's your new favorite animal. It's like a black light poster came alive and started swimming around, which is what <laughs> we've all wanted this whole time. But I was like, okay, we literally just found this? Like no, last uh, week. I guess because the turtle can swim, it was all right, but I, how did Noah get something we just discovered last week on the boat? That's my question. <laughs> so, well, apparently, we still have questions. Uh, every episode from now on will probably be Liz and Samantha naming more animals they've just thought of. What about that. the Bible turtles? We think we're so smart. Oh, I just outsmarted the Bible. <laughs> they just found a new turtle. <laughs> what about the newts? <laughs> what about the newts? No one's answered that question No. Yet. No All one right. cares about the newts or the shrews or... Was he digging up shrews? <laughs> seen a shrew they're really cute aren't they are those the little mice that are really cute or am i, I think thinking they're of like something the else? mice that have like the long snout oh i don't like that <laughs> i lied i don't like that at all i was thinking about have you seen those posters of the little, tiny little mice on the flowers oh no you haven't seen that? wait did you know how big a wombat is giant i had no idea must be huge i had no idea a wombat is like the size of a person they're really big i thought they were like the size of a koala apparently not i mean the little ones are which is probably the ones we've seen oh my god this world is topsy-turvy this is what i was thinking this is all these like pictures of like that it's a mouse i think yeah, I think a shrew has, like, a, more of a snout. I showed Liz a picture of a mouse on a flower, which is <laughs> which is what I was thinking of. Let's Google shrew real quick. Maybe I'm going to regret this. What does a shrew look like? Oh! <laughs> I don't like that at all. Let me see, let me see. Oh, yeah, that's what I was picturing. Look at those noses. That's really weird. Does anyone from the UK remember Wombles? This is kind of cute. This kid's show called Wombles. Wombles? Is that with a shrew? I, I, they were in the show, Wombles, but they kind of looked like shrews. Wombles. <laughs> oh, these? Yeah. You watched that as a kid? <laughs> <laughs> That's terrifying. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was into that. Ooh, I'm going to have nightmares. <laughs> Well, this episode is brought to you by <laughs> Shrews and Wombles. 
right. Should we put this horrible episode to bed and never think of it again? Do not watch Biohazard. Yeah, no. Full of maggots. Full of maggots. All right, let's plug our shit and get out of here. Uh, We're on social media. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. You should follow the, or join the aforementioned Facebook group. It's a lot of fun. Yep. Um... You should send us your paranormal tales. Something yes. spooky that's happened to you. We need some paranormal stories. So, we have like two episodes left in the season. And we have like two stories. So, so get send, them in. Send us your stories. That's, perhaps it's your podcast at gmail.com or there's a form on our website. Perhaps it's you.com. Yep. If you have a few extra dollars, you can throw them our way on Patreon. Patreon.com slash perhaps it's you. We have a really special coloring sheet coming out this yeah, month. You're For the $5 dollar and up. You're going to want that coloring uh, sheet. You're really, really going to want it. And our episode, <laughs> our bonus episode this month is going to be pretty good. So Should I say what it is? I think you should. It's Paranormal <laughs> Home Inspectors. Wait, what? Is that just three random words I threw together? No. <laughs> it's an it's actual, actual show. Canadian television program that we will be recapping for you. We're going to record our right dear after listeners this. and so, be the Wong. Yeah, you're going to love it. Uh, now is the time to sign up for Patreon. And is that it? Uh, oh, give us a, a oh, five-star review. review. Um, I'm on iTunes, Apple Podcasts especially. We only accept five-star reviews. Thank you very much. You know how I gave this episode of Unsolved Mystery the negative five? That's, you can't do that. You have to give us five stars. It's the rules. Yeah. So, it won't even let you give us less than five stars, <laughs> no. actually. Did you nope. know that? Nope. Um, we had a word with, um... <laughs> Steve Jobs himself. <laughs> Jobs. And he enforces it from beyond the grave. Yep. So... Get out there and solve some mysteries, you bitches. Bye. Bye. <laughs>